Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and I'm here with another episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast. And today I'm interviewing a scientist and an educator named Margie, and she's going to help us figure out how to cultivate a sense of curiosity and wonder in ourselves and in our kids. Margie, welcome to the show. Will you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Thank you so much for having me. Yes, sure. I am a biologist, mom, and educator. I am passionate about making science simple and cultivating curiosity and also just helping people who thought science sucked at school to get over that and just being able to enjoy a sense of wonder of the world around them without being focused on always trying to get the right answer. Oh, I love that. I'm really excited to get to talk to you today because, you know, it's something that I think is so important to cultivate in our kids, this sense of wonder and curiosity. But I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about why that's so important. So I think, you know, as parents, we want to raise kids who are problem solvers and we want them to be critical thinkers and we want them to be able to apply the knowledge they have to different situations. And I think concepts that we discover through curiosity, you know, they stick in our brain and that is real knowledge rather than, you know, just, I think we live in an age where information is so accessible information is always there, but it's actually having those concepts really ingrained in our brain and linked with each other so we can pull on them without having to use Google. (laughs) I love this. I've never really thought about it that way before, the difference between information and knowledge. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between information, facts, and knowledge, like deep understanding? Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I think for me, information is like a little snippet of a fact here and a fact there and all of these really disjointed things. And knowledge is when those have all got a link to one another. You know, for me, knowledge is understanding. You know, when you've got information, it doesn't necessarily mean that you understand it. Whereas for me, knowledge, it means you can really understand and apply that concept to other things, which is, you know, feeds into problem solving. 
Okay. And so what you're saying is that if we want our kids to have a deep understanding of the world around them or the concepts that are interesting to them or that they need in order to be successful, then they need the opportunities to get curious, to become deeply engaged and really dig into the things that are important to them. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And I think I actually had such a cool example on my Facebook group last week. We were running a theme and the theme for the week was Tide Week. And, you know, we're posting all sorts of information about the tide and how the moon affected. And one of the members of the group posted on there that, you know, she was walking on the beach with her daughter and they'd been talking about the tides. And her daughter had asked her, what is sand made out of? And they entered into this whole conversation about, well, she said, well, I think it's silica and it's what glass is made of. And the daughter actually went home, the homeschoolers, and did like a whole piece of research on how glass is made and melted and blown. And I mean, I would never have linked those two things, but I think for her, she'll never forget that now, Mm. you know, because it's that kind of natural curiosity and learning as opposed to sitting down and someone telling you how glass is made, you're not necessarily going to really remember that or link it to anything else. Right. And there's this piece to it too that I think, Margie, that like it was meaningful to her because it was her question. It was Mm. what she naturally wondered about. And then she had the opportunity to wonder. She wasn't being told this is an important thing for you to learn, so learn it. Mm. She was given the space to wonder and in Mm. the wondering and she had a she had an adult who was willing to give her that space to wonder and then to join her in that curiosity right yeah so what can we do then as parents to cultivate curiosity and wonder in our kids I think the number one thing, and it's not necessarily a tool because I've got some tools to chat about as well, but the number one thing is for us to model the behavior and the type of decision making that we want, you know, that we want for our kids. And it means like a calm analysis, you know, when someone gives us some information that we're maybe freaking out about, to not jump to conclusions, to sort of think about it. And I think sort of quite a nice example of that and it's very relevant at the moment is COVID-19 and obviously like all parents have had to talk to their kids about what is going on with COVID-19 and I sort of think if you kind of approach it from a more curious lens so you know asking questions like well what is it and how does it spread and why does it spread so easily and you know why is there no cure for it as opposed to you know maybe telling your kids there's this virus and it's out of control and there's no cure and it spreads really easily the information is the same I mean you're basically supplying the same information but you're just giving it from a very different perspective you know it's obviously going to arouse different feelings in your kids so I think there's, there is that aspect of sort of modeling what we want to see. It's that whole thing of, you know, do as I go, do as I say, don't do as I do. But yeah. I mean, that's what kids do. They do what we do. They do. Um, they learn through modeling and observation. And so I, th- I think there's two things there that you said too, that there's this modeling piece that we want to model curiosity, um, but also the modeling of the kind of the calm, not necessarily the sense of urgency with it. There are times where my daughters are wondering about things and they feel so overwhelmed by their lack of understanding mm-hmm. that they feel very urgent, particularly when they're talking about the universe. They're 
particularly anxious about the fact that they don't understand how the origins of the universe. Like, I just want to be like, honey, like there are scientists who spend their entire lives okay. doing it and they still don't understand, you know, but they have this sense of urgency. And so I think the energy we bring to these things, I think you're so right, is important that they pick up on the energy too. And we are mm. very impactful in our homes as parents in kind of setting the emotional tone of the home. And so we can help kind of lead them that way, you know? So Margie, I don't know if this happens to you with your kiddo, but sometimes like with this universe question, my kids feels like they're having almost like existential crises and they can't tolerate sitting in a place of not knowing. And I'd love your thoughts on that, like how to help them with this. I mean, one thing that we've noticed is that the more we like go to Alexa or go to Google for answers, the less thinking they're doing, the less wondering they're doing. So that's one just like something that I've noticed, even in my own behavior, that we need to spend time in wonder before going for the answer. But do you have other like, what about sitting with that discomfort of not knowing? It is uncomfortable, you know, and especially with Alexa and Google, we're so used to just being able to access the answer all the time. But I think as adults, one of our biggest stresses, for me, my biggest stressor is uncertainty and not knowing. And I mean, imagine if we could equip our kids to be able to be okay with not knowing and to rest in that uncertainty. I mean, what an amazing life skill it would be. But it's not easy because they want to know, they want to know the answer. You know, and sometimes I think you just got to give a few snippets of information and maybe ask them questions. You know, what do you think about the universe? You know, we don't know. So what do you think it is and how big do you think it is? So for me, I think weirdly, like not knowing is actually a really good life skill to be able to get used to. I think helping our children understand that the process is way more important than the content, right? So whether we're right or wrong, learning how to think, that's really the skill that we want them developing, at least for in terms of my kids' education. I could care less if they can come out of school reciting a bunch of facts, but if they can mm. know how to think, know how to critically examine evidence, know how to ask good questions, that's what I want them to know, you know? Yeah, I think you're so right. I think ultimately the answer is so much less important than the thought process you go through to get to the answer and I think I mean I love working with people who hate science especially moms because I think at school unfortunately a lot of the way we test understanding is through assessment where there is a right answer and a wrong answer you know and that kind of becomes ingrained in our brain that we have to get the answer right you know the fear of getting the wrong answer almost detracts from the the learning and the experience of curiosity because we're so focused on that end result you know and I think that's it we need to sort of move away from that and that's the luxury we have as parents is it doesn't really matter if the answer is wrong you know we're not marking our kids questions and their curiosity another thing you know to do with the resting in uncertainty and not knowing the answer is something I've actually recently been applying to my own life You know, in science experiments, we have variables and some of the variables got control over and some of them we haven't. And I think it's almost teaching our children, you know, you need to focus on things you have control over and you need to kind of let go of the things that you don't have control over. And it's almost, you know, like applying the scientific method 
to life in a way. And yeah, I think that can alleviate a certain sense of worry and fear and associated with not knowing is, you know, the things that you can't control, you can worry over them, but it's not really going to change what it is. And, you know, there are people out there that are working really hard to figure out how the universe works. And I think the nice thing about the universe example particularly is that at the moment there is no right and wrong answer like even the people who have studied this for their entire lifetime still can't agree on you know how big the universe is and how old it is and I think sometimes that's quite nice for kids to know it's like well it's not just us that don't know this stuff you know yeah I think so too I think sometimes that can be a little hard for kids to grasp that grown-ups don't always know the answer you know kids kind of think we're all knowing sometimes and so even that there's a little bit of anxiety that comes up you know I think for kids mm. they confront the idea that there is this place of not knowing even for grown-ups I think that's okay. Like, I think it's okay to, again, let them see this. You know, I grew up on a farm that my family was restoring to prairie in in Southern Iowa. And my dad was a science teacher who has never lost his sense of wonder and curiosity in the world. And so he very much instilled that in me. And I was trying to think about, like, as I was getting ready to talk with you about, like, how did he do that? And most of the time, it was simply by being with me, like being present with me in the moment of wondering, like joining in with my like childlike wonder, you know, like, yeah, that's so cool. You know, like just really coming, like dropping into it and coming mm. out of a place of a hierarchy of knowing and coming in. There were times when he'd be kind of crossed into being more of the teacher with the knowledge and the facts. But lots of the time when we were together out on the farm, he was just in a place of wonder with me. And that was so lovely. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I was teaching high school kids, but I mean, they loved it when they asked me a question and I didn't know the answer. And I mean, that's, I'm not good at faking it until everyone says, fake it until you make it. I can't do that. So I just used to go, I don't know, you know, we'll have to find that. And then they loved that I didn't know everything, you know, for them, it was like, okay, cool. This is okay. It's cool. You know, now we can find out. Yeah. yeah, And then we ask questions or sometimes, you know, you'd say, well, everyone have a guess and then we'll Google it and see, you know, who's on point. Or sometimes everyone guessing would start a conversation or an argument. And it was actually great. It was a great learning experience. That's awesome. Okay. So are there any other tools that you have for us, for parents? I mean, I know a lot of us are home with our kids in a way we've never been before and that we weren't expecting. And so now we have the opportunity to do a bit more with Mm. them and be a little bit more involved in their education. So do you have some tips for like cultivating the sense of wonder and curiosity that we've been talking about that is so important? for knowledge and understanding. Mm. Yeah, I I do have a few tools. But before I answer that, I just (laughs) want to say, like, I know that when you're constantly being bombarded with questions by kids, like it can be inconvenient, it can be irritating. You literally cannot go through this process with every question. And I think that's also okay. You know, sometimes you just let the questions go. And then when the same theme keeps coming back, that is something that you can really put your energy into exploring. So I think as parents, we always feel the need that we need to supply the answer. And a dad actually said something to me the other day, and I just want to actually steal it. It was so profound. 
He said, you know, as parents, we want to be the hero for our kids and we want to give them the answer. But actually, we need to let them be the own superhero of their stories. And I thought that was so great. And I think one of the best ways to cultivate curiosity is to just actively take a step back. You know, and when the kids are curious about something, rather than jumping in, which is almost instinctive, you know, to ask questions, to try to guide them in the right direction, if you know what direction that is, or, you know, just ask questions so you can try to find out together. That linking concepts to things they already know is, for me, it's the most important thing. I really, really believe in that. And like I had a great example the other day. So we were talking about nerve cells and that nerve cells can communicate so fast because they use electricity. And like the analogy was, well, when you switch on a light switch, the light come on straight away, even though the light bulb isn't right next to the switch. And it's the same with nerves. You know, if you put your hand on a hot plate, your brain can register that straight away. And it's just, you know, that little linking of concepts just helps the understanding so much. One of the things I think that can be so intimidating though for parents is that like, what if they don't know? I think you're right that science can be scary for those of us. Mm. This was something that I grew up feeling very confident in just because my dad was a science teacher, you know, but lots of folks don't feel confident in that. Mm. Yeah, I do understand. But I mean, it can be, you know, as simple as just asking yourself, what do I know? What do I know about nerve cells? I mean, you might know nothing about nerve cells. And then, you know, just spending some time on that and not resisting the urge to revert to Google. Yeah, well, Um, I mean, I think it's relieving to know that we don't have to know the answer. Like that with our kids have questions. I love that you just gave us all permission to not know the answers. You know what I mean? No. Yes. It is totally okay. I mean, my daughter actually said to me the other day, do you know that strawberries always have 200 seeds? I think she said. And I said to her, that's right. She said, no, I'm telling. And I said, no. Anyway, we Googled it and it said strawberries. And she said to me, mom, I thought you were a scientist. <laughs> How can you not know this stuff? <laughs> was like, well, you know, we don't know everything. And I think, again, coming back to modeling, that's, you know, it's good for kids to see that we don't know. Yeah. That we don't know everything. But I mean, we just try to figure out what we can with what we already know. Great. Did you have other tools? So I think also it's nice for us as parents that we can just do things really informally. It never happens that your kid asks you a question and you just happen to have the perfect, you know, tools to like perform an experiment and explain it. And it may happen, but it doesn't happen often. So, you know, we can just have conversations and look at what we've got around us and what we can use and something I want to almost dissuade parents from doing. YouTube is such a blessing and it's such a curse at the same time because there's so much great stuff on there, but there's also this wow factor. So we did an elephant's toothpaste um, experiment the other day. And, you know, if you Google or if you look on YouTube for elephant's toothpaste, the first video that comes back is the world's largest elephant's toothpaste experiment, which is obviously like huge and wow. I don't even know what that is. And amazing. Look it up. <laughs> look it up. <laughs> no, don't look at YouTube. No. <laughs> You know, or or like putting the Mentos in the fizzy drink and you get a reaction. But I think sometimes when we watch the things on YouTube first, it almost creates like an unrealistic expectation of what you're going to do at home. Whereas if you just did it, you would have your own wow factor. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that almost brings into, I mean, it's a whole other topic, but like conscious consumption of social media. And I mean, that's a other story. But yes, I, I'm cautious of YouTube, especially when it comes to science experiments, if you're planning to do something at home. Right. Um, and, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is that but if you're thinking about doing an experiment, having your kids see the video on YouTube that might have a bigger reaction in, where you don't really know if they've amped it up somehow or added mm. other variables. It's been edited and that can give them unrealistic expectations and steal their joy a little bit. And so totally, maybe yeah. you go there to get ideas, but then you do the experiment yourself without them having seen it. Yeah, I think especially for younger kids, that is definitely a good idea. You know, also they might have done it 20 times and obviously recorded, you know, use the best one to put up on their page. Yeah. A great thing, though, to be having those conscious consumption of media, too, to really Mm -hmm. be thinking about, like, why might someone do that? Record it 20 times, find the biggest one and put only show that one and not show any of Mm. the bloopers or the fails. You know, like getting them engaged in that critical thinking, I think, is really important, Mm. especially as kids get older and start to interact and move into media and technology on their own. We want them equipped with those questioning mind. Yeah, definitely. And then I think as far as, so, I mean, what we've spoken about is all when our kids are asking us questions, but I think to, you know, encourage a sense of wonder, it can be as simple as just observing and pointing out, you know, things like, oh, wow, there's a mushroom growing in the garden or, oh, wow, have you noticed how bright the birds are now that it's springtime? And, you know, following that with, I wonder why the birds are so bright. And my daughter, you know, said, well, obviously it's because, you know, they're going to attract a mate during springtime for mating season. And and I was like, but how does their body know when it's springtime and when to make the colours brighter? And is it the diet or is it the day? And I actually still don't know. And I'm kind of been resisting googling it because i'm really actually enjoying the process of wondering about this even though spring is over here and the birds are not that bright anymore i'm still thinking about it yeah and for all of our listeners margie is in south africa so many of my listeners are in this sphere so we're just entering into winter and you're coming into your summer <laughs> coming into summer now yes yeah. you know our kids come to us especially young kids who are in the why stage but why But why? We feel this almost like this pressure and we forget what it's like to just wonder, to view the world through the lens of childhood, you know, of just being unencumbered by adulthood and a lifetime of experiences. We get to see it fresh. And I think our kids do a beautiful job of calling us in to that if we're willing to do that with them. And I think it's a beautiful mindfulness practice just jump like going in and viewing the world through your child's eyes it's a lovely way to drop into the present moment with them to feel very connected and seen when we do that too yeah I actually what you said I completely completely agree with you know I think when we get these constant questions we sort of feel like we're the one who who are giving we're giving the answers and but actually you know invite people to shift their perspective on that a little bit and actually see it as our kids giving us something, you know, like you said, they're bringing us back out of our heads. They're bringing us back to the moment, um, to the world around us and just sort of grounding us a little bit. 
And yeah, I mean, it's an amazing thing to see the world through a child's eyes and through that innocence. And, you know, they're not necessarily governed by the laws of physics and like you say, experience and what we've learned, you know, their world is just something completely different where, you know, anything is possible. It's cool, but it's also, you know, especially when we're stressed and we are in our heads and, you know, you quite often want to go, that would be ridiculous, you know? And I think it's just taking a step back and slowing down. And, you know, it's an amazing chance to connect with your kids in this curious world. Yeah. Mm. You know, I wasn't planning to go here with you because you're a scientist and everything, but you're making me think too about like how important it is to consider our own experiences as children with wonder and curiosity and with these concepts, the idea of sitting and not knowing. Were we squashed? Was our wonder and curiosity and fantasy and imagination rejected? Were we told to tamp it down or put it away to grow up? Is there a little one inside us who is just waiting? you know for our kids to invite us in you know yeah that's part of like reparenting like we talk a lot on my instagram page about reparenting your inner child and oftentimes it seems so heavy but things like this what we're talking about here this is like the fun stuff the really light mm. stuff of rediscovering childlike wonder like that's a beautiful thing and it feels so good to our little one but inside us but we can be resistant to it too if there is mm. if we've been made to feel like that part of us isn't good enough or isn't okay yeah i think that's one of the nice things about having young kids is it actually gives you permission to be childlike again i mean i was at the coast with my kids the other day and we spent hours and hours i mean i felt like a kid again like digging in the rock pools and catching crabs and going in the waves on boogie boards and it was awesome you were playing uh, yeah playing I think play is so necessary. It's such a human animal behavior, you know, and we shed it, we put it away, we put it aside to grow up. And I do think our kids invite us back into it if we are open to that invitation. But it's hard to do when we have the pressures and stress and the load of parenting. Do you have any tips yeah. parents on how to like shift into presence and playfulness with your kids so that they can experience that all while managing the load that we carry as well? It's tough. I mean, I'm going to be very transparent and honest. I do not enjoy playing with my kids, you know, like dress up and role play and, and those sorts of games. For me, definitely my time for connecting with them is when we are out in nature and messing around outside. There's no hierarchy of play. Like what you're describing is mm. absolutely is 100% it's play. I mean, it's okay yeah. to share our authentic selves with our mm. kids with you. Yeah. Well, that's it. Because for me, I think when I try to do those things that I really didn't want to do, I know that may sound terrible, but it comes through as inauthentic and kids pick up on that and they know that you don't really want to be sitting playing dolls so you know that they do independently and then you know there's lots of other stuff that we do do together but I think something that is like you say it's difficult when there's work and you know mental load is just time blocking you know and when you're working and when you're spending time with your family and almost like blocking that in like okay during this hour we're going to do whatever it is we're going to do and you know I'm not going to be distracted by work or my phone or yeah. Or anything like that. And I think often as well, it's letting the kids take the lead. 
And I think that feeds into curiosity as well. You know, what do they want to do? What do they want to, I mean, quite often, you know, you have this like amazing activity set up that you think everyone. I think we've so, probably all been there. We're like, this is going to be so fun. They're going to play with us for hours and it's like done in five minutes. <laughs> what now, mom? <laughs> I also agree, like the child-led piece of it. So I think you just gave some really great tips. So having some stretches of time where they have the chance, where you have the chance to be together. Um, You also mentioned having good boundaries around distractions. So putting your phone away, being all in and present, and then letting them lead. I think that those three things are a beautiful recipe for a connected, present moment where curiosity and wonder can flourish. Thank you for that. It's a pleasure. And I think as well, like, especially as far as curiosity and wonder goes, sometimes it's in the weirdest places, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be a set time block. I mean, for us, some of our best conversations are in the car, you know, the drive to school and some of our most profound moments are, you know, I can't even see the kids because I'm focusing on the road, but it just you know, when it pops up is to just sort of go with it rather than you know, squash it down going, no, this is not a good time. To talk yeah. about this. Lean in. Oh, you know, I have this big parenting group and we were talking about how the car ride to school is when like kids seem to just, I don't know, like they have the opportunity to think. And so then they have so many like big existential <laughs> questions and crises. Mm. So you're not alone, but leaning into it when it happens, kind of accepting mm. it and allowing it when it happens. Yes. So you mentioned at the beginning that you have a Facebook group where you help parents with science and stuff. Can you tell us where to find that? Sure. So I've got a um, group on Facebook. It's called Simple Everyday Science for Parents of Curious Kids. And I call it my tribe with a curious vibe because there are parents in there. There are actually people in there who don't have kids that are just curious themselves. And we just post all sorts of fun stuff. Some stuff are activities. Some things are just links between things that you wouldn't have necessarily linked together before. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with me for this conversation. You're so helpful. And I hope that everybody listening goes over and joins your group so we can start really cultivating this sense of wonder with our kiddos and within ourselves as a community. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's been so awesome to speak to you. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, That's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.